It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Could Jake Ferguson replace Dalton Schultz as soon as this year? All that and more in this episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your Locked daily Dallas Cowboys on. podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Locked Network, your on. team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. The most comfortable shorts, pants, and sweatpants with built-in liners. Go to birddogs.com and use promo code Locked On, and boom, a free Bird Dogs rope hat with your first pair of Bird Dogs. I am Marcus Mosher. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. He is Landon McCool. Check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, how's it going today, sir? Going well. I'm actually very comfortable in my bird dogs right now, uh, enjoying uh, uh, some uh, Cowboys yeah. tape and, and, and excited to certainly talk to you all about it. Uh, all right. So we're going to get to some of the all 22 notes that we had after spending Monday looking at the film. Uh, a lot of positives, some negatives that we can get to as well. Uh, this is a positive, optimistic podcast, Linden, generally. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's, let's stay positive. I want to talk about Jake Ferguson. Um, because I think he was maybe the biggest takeaway for me in this game. Dalton Schultz uh, was scratched. I don't want to say healthy scratch because he's certainly not healthy. But uh, he had no injury designation going in this game. We thought he would play. He didn't. Jake Ferguson started. Frankly, looked pretty good. Yeah, it sounded like maybe uh, Schultz had done something in his sa- in the Saturday practice to kind of re-aggravate things, it sounds like. So we'll see exactly how that injury designation holds up this week. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, certainly not a situation where you're feeling like you had to rush Schultz back based on the performance of what you got out of Ferguson uh, Sunday against the Eagles. He played, you know, obviously his best his best game of the season so far. Uh, you know, I, and, and I thought that the thing that was so impressive about it is that he kind of just showed you a little bit of everything, right? Exactly. Like, yes. Uh, as a pass catcher, you know, he had that great catch on on Leak. Uh, it was kind of a cross across the field and then made his way. Uh, vertical uh, kind of against their zone coverage and just trying to basically walk the line between zones and then turned up field and made a great overhead catch. He had a couple other, by the uh, way, if, if that ball, if that ball was thrown better, I'm not convinced that he's tackled because I, I, yeah. I, there was only one player to stop him. If that ball is thrown to him in stride, he might've scored on it. He was wide open. Uh, and then, you know, the, the touchdown obviously really showed off kind of what he can do where, you know, he's, he's running in out, uh, he's it's it's a bootleg situation. He gets the ball uh, and is able to kind of gather himself before the sideline 
cut back inside, you know, the the kind of pursuing defenders uh, and beat two guys uh, inside to, to make it into the end zone uh, from about, you know, six to seven yards out. And then, and then on top of that, you know, just really showing out as a blocker. There were just several times when he was at the point of attack or making a key hinge block on, on power. Uh, and he was holding his up. I, I saw holding his own. I hold him, saw him hold his own against uh, 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 Josh Sweat on a couple of these kind of uh, uh, the mm-hmm. hinge blocks where he's kind of making the key block. You know, they really just and, – and, and again, maybe we should expand it just a little bit because I think that Hendershot had, and McEwen also had very good games. I think we'll talk about Ferguson because I think he had the most impressive of those three. Uh, but I think that all three of them had, you know, rather impressive games. And it really shows you kind of how much the Cowboys trust those tight ends, yep. even without Schultz on the field. Uh, I, I want to go back to the touchdown really quickly, because yeah. that's just a play that we didn't see him make at Wisconsin, right? Like kind of the thought process. And even like my thought process on him coming out of the draft was, Hey, big sure-handed tight end, not going to do a lot after the catch. I mean, th- that, that was ridiculous. That was a, when he caught up the field, I thought it was a mistake. I thought he should have just went for the pylon and tried to score. Uh, but no, he made multiple guys miss. Like if he's going to be able to make that type of play, we're having a different conversation about what his ceiling could be with the Cowboys. Yeah, Brad Sham nailed it. I think he called him Swivel Hips, which I thought was <laughs> is a great nickname for, for a tight end. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what just kind of take a step back and look at it from a 10,000-foot view. There's benefits to drafting athletic tight ends who know how to block already. You know, I, I think that that's because learning how to block in the NFL is one of the most difficult things you can do. If you're athletic and smooth uh, and you have the kind of combinations that's required to become a good route runner, I think that that's an easier skill set to learn once you reach the NFL than trying to become a good blocker. Ferguson came in with the kind of similar to Schultz, I think, where he came in with a skill set of like the, the the knowledge on how to block the technique, uh, and, right? Yeah, the technique, and and then just kind of has evolved as a pass catcher due to his athleticism, and I think he's really started to shine in that kind of two way role as a tight end. Is there any chance that by the time we get to the end of the season? He's just playing over Dalton Schultz. I mean, I certainly think that there's a chance by the end of the season that they're trying their best to do get into more multiple tight end situations to get both of these guys on the field because they like them so much. I, I think more than likely what would end up happening is that you would start to see more of a rotation, right? That's, Even that's when there's one tight end on the field, right? right? Like, instead of having Schultz play 98% of the snaps, he might be at 65 percent and Ferguson might be at 42 percent or something like that yeah and, and I also wouldn't be surprised to see more kind of specific scheme stuff drawn up for for Ferguson and some more of the tight ends now that you know you've got a little bit more yeah. of a versatile player having two guys who can really catch the football on the field at tight end the tight end position that's really going to be valuable for the Cowboys uh, we should we should mention Peyton Hendershot just a little bit Absolutely. Um, man he, he's frustrating for uh, to me at least because you can see that he's talented, but like the blocking stuff, like the technique is all over the place. His penalty that he had in the red zone where he just doesn't get set and he's like leaning forward and, you know, it's that kind of stuff that is so frustrating because you know that he's a playmaker and he, you know that he's athletic. I just think he's quite a bit further behind Ferguson and obviously Dalton Schultz. 
do you kind of get the impression? I mean, that Hendershot penalty, I kind of, after watching it, I kind of got the impression that maybe he didn't know what the snap count was, right? Or or that he forgot what that, the well, snap my, count was. My initial thought was, I think Cooper Rush was supposed to snap the ball faster than what he that's, thought. Yeah, right? that's like, what I... The timing was all off, but at the same time, yeah, yeah. Hendershot can't be bouncing up no. and down right in front of the referee, you know? No. And, 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 and really, like, going back to your larger point... His blocking is such that he's physical, but he's fighting dudes. He's not blocking anybody. He, I mean, he could be called for holding almost every single one of his snaps. There's one play where he just grabbed a dude and threw him down. Like, and I'm See, like, that's, that's where that's, that's where having Schultz back is going to help so much, right? It's because I we like Hendershot long term, like what he could eventually become. Yeah, absolutely, but there is a there's a huge downgrade from Dalton Schultz to Peyton Hendershot as that second tight end, if you want to call it that. Yeah, the blocking when when you have to put twelve person on the field without Schultz uh, is uh, it's working, but man, I mean, you're you're kind of really living on the edge with Hendershot out there because he's holding a lot. He's holding a lot. Now, again, this happens to a lot of young tight ends. They yeah. struggle. They struggle early on. Wouldn't be surprised like Hendershot next year if you see a significant improvement. I mean, so if only just because he's tough and he likes to fight and he's yes. he has no fear of the physical aspect of the game, I think he's going to be a great blocker. He just – you got to use technique, buddy, or, or they're going to call you. Or they're going to arrest you, frankly. I mean, he was assaulting dudes. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's okay to have that kind of guy in your offense. Every, you need a little bit of crazy every once in a while. But the Cowboys just, haven't just, had that for a while. Just keep those hands inside yeah. on the chest and not outside on the shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, I want to talk about the offensive line, Lana. But before we do that, we want to tell you guys about Bird Dogs. Now, Lana and I, we, we actually called each other. when They sent us uh, <laughs> some free sweatpants because we are so excited. Uh, they are absolutely just amazing. They are super comfortable, like the little cute Charmin bear rubbing up against your thighs. I know it sounds weird. I don't care. Uh, you know that comfy little family bear. Uh, they're a- absolutely perfect. You can wear them around the house. I wore the shorts out to the golf course the other day. Um, unbelievable. Go to birddogs.com and our promo code locked on and they'll throw a free bird dogs rope hat. That is birddogs.com promo code locked on and boom, a free bird dogs rope hat with your pair of bird dogs, the most comfortable shorts, pants and sweatpants with built in liners. You will not want to take these things off. I mean, Landon, how comfortable are they? They're incredibly comfortable. It's crazy. I, I had another pair of sweatpants on, and as soon as these were washed again for the first time, I went and immediately yeah. took them out of the dirty, cl- the clean clothes and, and changed because I, I, I wanted to wear these pants yeah. or something. It, it took me about two times of wearing them to go ahead and make another order. So, again, go check out birddogs.com, promo code locked on. We also want to tell you about LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stake wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you have to do is add your job and then the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. 
That is linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Landon, I got I to gotta share a, uh, a DM that you sent me yesterday. Uh, actually, said it one oh, no. <laughs> uh, you this said, is why it's a DM and not well, a tweet. Okay, I'm going to expose it a little bit. You said, uh, is Terrence Steele the best offensive lineman playing for the Cowboys right now? Yeah, I mean, going back and watching, you know, he's he, – look, he's absolutely destroying guys in the run game. Like, that, I think that's that part is, you know, it, whether he's the best run blocker on this team, I, I don't think is actually in dispute right now. Uh, he's he's playing like an, an absolute monster. He's throwing guys around. What actually prompted that 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 DM to you was watching him physically toss Milton Williams across a gap and a half when he was down blocking uh, before he got to the second level to block a linebacker. Um, he's just playing fantastic football right now. He's he's just physical. He's beating people up for a guy that like seems so kind of you know just. Laid back, a nice guy. Yeah. Laid back in the interviews, like he is a physical monster on the field. You know, the, when the, when the Cowboys are in fights, he's 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 in there. He's in the mm-hmm. middle of it. It's crazy how much he plays, sort of like Leo Collins, while being you know kind of a very different seeming yes. person than Leo Collins is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, look, I think part of this is that Zach Martin has been you know great at times, but he's also had some very un. Uh, on Zach Martin moments, right? Where he's, he's just been a little off this moments. year. Yeah. The way the, I, and I, I, he got banged up. Was it early in the year he got banged up? Yeah. Or he got rolled up on. And we don't know for sure. I don't want to speculate, speculate, but I wonder if he's just not 100% healthy. Yeah. I mean, it seems to really be in, in the run game that, yeah. that, that like it, it's, it seems, I mean, I still think he's, you know, in pass blocking an extremely high level and he's still very good. It's it just, it seems like kind of finishing assignments in the run game. It does. It's like, he doesn't have the, always have that extra oomph of power that he used to have. And look, this is Zach Martin still playing fantastic. football. That, fine, that, yeah. That's not been an issue. It's not like he's being bad or even average or even just above average. He's still playing very good football. I just think that Terrence Steele is playing like one of the best tackles in football because if you look at obviously the the run blocking stuff, which has always been good for him and has only gotten better, the pass protection is really where I'm the most surprised. He's just had a lot of success against good rushers. Even when he's uh, uh, in bad spots, he finds a way to kind of scrappy – you know, push the guy just past the pocket or, or do what he needs to to kind of make sure that it doesn't interfere with the play. I, I think that the offensive line as a whole played like that on Sunday. Uh, it just like scrappy, you know, they were, it felt like at times they were physically outmatched by the, by a very talented physical uh, uh, Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. But I felt like it, it was very indicative of, of, of the team just to be, Making sure, just getting enough of the, of, of them to, to make it work. The, the, the Eagles were not able to get any sacks. Obviously, they they had some pressure on Rush throughout the game, but it wasn't a huge factor in in, in the Cowboys' uh, ineptitude in offense for for the most part. Yeah, uh, that 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 blame kind of lays solely on on Cooper Rush's feet to a large degree. But I, I think I just felt like on on top of my comment about Terry Steele, who I think is just playing really fantastic football. I was impressed, you know, across the line, just how much this team looked like they were physically outmatched at times, but were still able to battle yeah. through it in a way that was, you know, effective. Yeah, they're still searching for answers at left guard. Like I, yeah. I just, 
Jason Peters played this game. He played four mm-hmm. plays and he had two blown assignments in four plays. I, I, I just don't know what the plan is there because it continues to be the weakest spot in the offensive line. I, I, and I, I don't know what they should do going forward, Landon. That's basically me asking you, what should they do? I think the fact that we heard news about Tyron Smith today was not shocking to me. We did. I actually missed it. Go ahead. Can you fill us in? Well, it just sounds like that he's still working very hard. They still have plans for him before the end of the year. Like it just, it, I don't know that there was any update really, but the fact that like uh, it was out in the atmosphere, I think to me reads like, Hey, he's still tracking to be on the field by late December is basically what yeah, you're saying. Still, yeah, basically. And I, I think that that is part of the plan. I don't know that, that necessarily Tyron Smith comes back uh, and, and waits on the bench necessarily. So I wonder if the plan isn't to, to eventually knock uh, Tyler back inside the guard when Tyron comes back and, and go from there, which, you know, it's fine. I, I, I mean, I like all these options. I don't hate any of them. So I can it, understand that nitpicking a certain it, aspects. It's of just the next there, but... eight weeks. Like what, what's going to be the plan at left guard the next eight weeks? Like, Cause I, I do think there's something for continuity, right? Like just letting Tyler be get used to, to whoever's playing next to him because they've had three different guys rotating into that spot between Connor McGovern, uh, Matt Farniak and Jason Peters, like eventually find one solution, right? Look, McGovern without a doubt is the weakest link. He hasn't played terribly. I mean, he is the guy I was just talking about that was really battling his butt off and just hanging on for right. dear life at different points with Hargrave, Hargrave and Cox. But I, I almost kind of feel like at this point, you, you got to find a way to just ride it out with McGovern until you can get Tyron Smith back. I mean, I just don't know, like, unless you can get Peters up to a, a place where you feel comfortable with him playing guard or you're comfortable with him playing left tackle and kicking Tyler Smith in sooner than later. And maybe that's what they do. You know, maybe what it is is that once you realize that you're going to get Tyron Smith back and you feel comfortable with Jason Peters, maybe you kick him back out to left tackle and start moving Tyler Smith back into guard in anticipation of the idea that Tyron comes back. Idea. And, I guess they didn't think Jason. about that. Because you so, don't need to do it now, but no, but maybe in November if after hey, the buy or something, right? Like, hey, Tyron's practicing this week. He's not going to play, but he's going to practice. Let's start getting Tyler Smith some reps at left guard. So when it does happen, we're ready to go by playoff time. It's not a bad idea. I'm, I'm curious to see if they do that. Uh, before we move on to the defense, just any any thoughts on the offense? I, I mean, we we could talk about Cooper Rush. I, he didn't play well, but any other just general thoughts about the offense? No, I mean, I, I feel like Cooper Rush was the was the culprit here, unfortunately, uh, beyond the three interceptions, you know, uh, which it just felt like he struggled to get his footwork down at times. He was sailing a lot of passes early. Uh, there were at least, on top of the three interceptions, there were at least three other play, three plays where wide receivers were, like, touchdown open, including, the, obviously, the third interception to, to Lamb where – Lamb had toasted the corner and was running up the sidelines. A good throw would have easily been a touchdown to him. He got hit a little bit on that throw, but still, yes. The, the but point yeah, I mean, but by but if you look at it, the, by the time he delivered the ball, like it didn't affect his flight path. Like he, yeah. like he, he needs to get that throw. ball out there. Like it, it's just too far inside. Like that was just not a good, a well placed throw. Then there was another one where you know Cooper, uh, where where. Uh, Lamb had the slant, I think, from like the ten yard line, and it got pat- knocked down by, by Hargraves. Hargraves. Yeah. Uh, and then there was another one where uh, uh, 
Gallup had one on a, on a fade route down on the end zone in the left corner of the end zone. And rush just completely airmailed it out of the side, out of bounds, like not even close. It's just, it was just, he was off. He just wasn't throwing the football. Well, it's a tough spot for a backup quarterback in a huge divisional game. And, happens there was also another route there was a third and one where the cowboys ran uh like a bootleg out to the right and it's one of those high low concepts yeah. where you have yeah. a guy in the middle of the field and you have a guy underneath and Gallup opens up wide open in, in the middle of the field and he just didn't throw it i don't yeah. know if it's because he was worried about not being able to get it there in time or i, I have no idea Every, but that's everything, was everything, everything was late everything was off i mean even even inside a clean pocket like the interception to, to Gallup was because he threw the ball like after Gallup had gotten out of his comeback and just was sitting there standing next to a defender. The ball yeah. should have come out before Gallup was out, was was making his break yeah. or as he's making the break, not tick 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 throw the football. And and that's that's the problem. So I, I before we move off the offense, I'll just say that to me going back and watching this, it gave me a lot of hope because honestly, you know, wide receivers are winning. They're getting open. The, uh, the offensive line was blocking well enough. It was simply a case where the quarterback couldn't operate at a level that he needed to. It's okay. He he did his job for the four yeah. weeks, right? Absolutely. Kept afloat, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, but as you saw in this game, when you play really good opponents, top tier opponents, you have to have a quarterback that can add value to your offense. It can, it can make throws on time and in rhythm. It's just not where Cooper rush is at in this stage of his career. It's okay. It's, it's fine. He did exactly what the Cowboys uh, needed him to do. Uh, all right, Lynn, let's talk about the defense. But before we do that, we want to tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is so much fun. All you have to do is pick two to five players that if they score more or less than their prize pick projection, you win. And you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on just about any sport that you watch. That includes NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They are currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Download the Prize Pick app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you $50. Don't forget to use promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's talk about the defense. Where did they struggle the most in this game, in your opinion? You know, it felt like uh, the place where they kind of were struggling the most was on the second level at times, kind of filling in on some of these runs. I mean, I think that for the most part, the the defense played really well. 
Um, I think that they struggled at times to kind of consistently tackle when they needed to. There were a couple of broken tackles, but not, but not too much. Uh, and, and really like the times that it really kind of, they were having issues were when uh, like Layton or, or curse were getting caught up in the trash on the second level and unable to kind of fill in the alley. Uh, and, and, you know, that's when you see Sanders kind of bursting out on some of these 11, 13 yard runs, especially on that one drive uh, after the Cowboys scored to make it 17 to 20. It really felt like they struggled on that, on that, the early part of that response drive by the Eagles. They just couldn't get uh, the third down and short or third yeah, down they, and long. They, the, the the first the early downs were really really killing them and and they were able to kind of cross the fifty without too much, uh you know problem. I felt like for the most part though like the defense played well and I think the the kind of results uh, you know played that out a little bit. If you look at the way they they played it, it is mostly a clean game. They didn't have a whole bunch of missed tackles. They had pretty decent down to down results. I mean I, I highlighted this in my notes. Half of the Eagles twenty six points came on three, three different drives in which they got the ball on the Cowboys' side of the field. And, and that's like, I mean, the fact that the Cowboys were even in, in this game after that uh, well, is, is is a tribute to, to, to like how well the defense plays. Yes. And one thing that we've noticed, like a trend for the Cowboys' defense this year is it usually takes them a few plays before the defense really gets going, right? Like, let's say they have a kickoff, through the end zone, they start on the 25. They'll give up a first down, a couple first downs, and then once teams like cross the 50 is when they really start to shut down offenses. The problem was in this game, the, the offense was so bad that they were giving the Eagles the ball inside of the 50. So, okay, now you get you have to go right on the field, and it's time. You, you got to hold them to a, you know, a field goal, and they just weren't able to do that early in the game. And honestly, I think if if the Eagles had not been given those opportunities inside the 50, I think they probably would have been in trouble. If you watch, like if you look at what happened, they weren't able to complete any passes down the field. No, they they they, they completed no passes beyond 10 yards uh, in, in in the throughout the whole game, yeah. and 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 the Cowboys were were rallying to tackle and and, and consistently, uh, you know, doing a good job. It's just there's only so much you can do when you get that much opportunity and you're already, you know, like yeah. 10 yards away from being able to kick a field goal. You add in a couple of, you know, despite the fact that they didn't have a ton of penalties, they had one or two key Huge timed penalties, penalties yeah. you know, yeah. that were, that extended things. But I thought for the most part, the thing that was really encouraging is that the Cowboys defensive line took it to the, the, the Eagles offensive line. I mean, the, the, that was the most sacks the Eagles had given up all year. Hertz was, wasn't quite under pressure the way that some of these other quarterbacks have, but that's because Philadelphia wasn't going to put him in a position to be yeah. that. They, it was all RPOs, all short throws, all rhythm throws. And and then the when the opportunity came for Hertz to actually drop back and throw the, throw the football early on from the games at the very beginning, his eyes were already lowering to look at the rush because the stunts and, and, and the, and the loops that the, the Cowboys defensive line were doing were, were distracting his eyes. They were getting, they were get, getting guys loose enough. Maybe that they weren't hitting hearts at hurts every time or sacking him every time, but they were getting loose and they were affecting the throw. And, and that's what caused a lot, some of the hurts you know, overthrows and that sort of thing. So I, I think that for the most part, the defensive line played a really good game. Um, and, and it, it, I think it bodes well moving forward that this defense, you know, this wasn't a situation where the Cowboys defense got exposed by the Eagles offense at all. Like this, this, this is what I expected them to do. 
I just think that the Cowboys offense needed better results to kind of win this game. But if you get a similar game like this, when we play them in, in December, I, I'll take it, man. This, this was not terrible results, to be honest. I really wonder how different the game would have been if Dante Fowler doesn't jump off sides on <laughs> fourth and four. Right. Because- I, you know, it's it's crazy watching that specifically last night. Like it, it's just like after going through all these plays, kind of you know, analytically, it's like, holy cow, man! That's uh, that's the one that really you know kind of changed the fate of uh, the, the tone of what was going on on that defense, right? Because it's again after the first quarter, this game is zero zero. Like I think yeah. people and I, listen, Eagle fans, I know that you listen to this podcast because you guys are more obsessed with the Cowboys than your own team. Uh, the Eagle <laughs> fans act like this game was a blow up from the, from the instant that kickoff happened. That wasn't the case at all. It's zero zero going into the second quarter. The second quarter was a blowout, but yeah, <laughs> but the, yeah. the rest of it, the Cowboys mostly won for the most uh, part. I don't think the Eagles were actually going to go for it on fourth and four from the I 10 yard line. I think what they were going to do was see if Dallas was going to jump off sides, take the delay of game penalty, and kick the field goal. That's at least what I think they were going to do. Once they got the first down, it completely changed the game. It just uh, electrified that crowd. And now it's 7 0. And I think Cooper Rush shows an interception like on the next play, right? Like after the Cowboys get the kickoff. You know, one Dante Fowler penalty maybe changes this game from 17-0 or whatever it was to, and maybe we're talking about a 10-10 game going into halftime or something like that. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I, it's a huge penalty in the game. It's just, if only for mentality for the Eagles offense, I think if you kick the, if they kick the field goal there, they have a whole different mentality on offense coming into the next few drives. And I think the Cowboys defense feels really good about themselves. So, uh, but you know, look, they it didn't work out that way. And even with that, I, I like I said, I, I think the Cowboys defense did what they needed to do to win this game for the most part. It just wasn't enough. If, if there's one spot you'd like to see the Cowboys defense improve, you know, over the next couple of weeks and kind of leading up to that next Eagle game, where could where is it at? Is it at defensive tackle outside of Osa? Is it the linebackers? What do you think? I actually thought the defensive tackles played okay. Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like they were getting, uh, gashed up the middle or bodies were being moved. You know, sometimes it's just going to happen. This is a very good offensive line. Like, let's, let's not discount that at all. I think if, if it's for me, I need curse to start playing at a level that he was playing at before the injury, or at least even last week, honestly. And, and I, and I think that Anthony Barr as well, uh, you know, didn't have the best. It's not a great matchup for Barr. Yeah, I, I think that Leighton Vanderesh, you know, struggled with some of the same stuff that those guys did. But I thought Leighton, outside of you know a couple of missed B gaps, played a really good game, yeah. including you know just being able to clog things up in the middle, get th- get outside to t- to make tackles in the, on the uh, screens. But I do think that some of the rest of the second level players kind of got caught up in the trash. There was some holding that just didn't get called too, including on Parsons, which is fine. Yeah. You know that's going to happen, but. The, the guys need to find a way to fight through some yeah. of that and kind of continue to make the plays. And yeah, I, I think, think that's really the place, the second level in the run game at times. Was, was when I watched this game, um, I thought players 21, I mean, sorry, like 21 of the 22 starters, there was really no difference between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Like they are all very comparable. The difference was they weren't playing with a backup quarterback and that kind of limited yeah. what Dallas could do on offense. And the Eagles have their full offense and they had, everybody was healthy on basically both sides of the ball. Um, these are two very similar teams when you have healthy quarterbacks on each side. Yeah. So 
I'm excited to see what the next matchup looks like. And frankly, I hope it, I hope it means something because I am a little bit worried that Philadelphia is going to be at the point where they can rest guys, but we'll see. I'm looking, we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. It's the NFL season, so God only knows what's going to happen in the next yeah, few weeks. Again, uh, we all we need everybody to be Steeler fans here at week. Eight. <laughs> as much uh, as you love to say that, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I might not be rooting for the Steelers. Uh, that is it for today's show. <laughs> Thank you for making Locked On Cowboys your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than thirty minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow our podcast on YouTube. Please go like, subscribe over there. Go follow Landon on Twitter, at McCoolBCB. I am at Marcus underscore Mosier. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.